Amen. Well, Pastor Michael Quinlan, if he can come up, give him a warm hand this morning. He has been uh, actually over in Uganda the last couple weeks, and he is finally back. And uh, we are excited for him to minister the word of the Lord today. All right, it's all yours. Cool, thanks. Good morning. God is good, and all the time, and that is his nature. Ooh, I like it. Yeah, thanks for being here today. I'm excited to be back. The jet lag is almost over. Uh, <laughs> been waking up at 4 a.m. feeling very holy, but I know it's just because my body has no idea where it is. And um, uh, yeah, you know, we had a great time. I was over for about two weeks. Uh, the first week was really uh, on, a, on a work project that was managing some electrical work at one of our medical clinics that we're developing in central Uganda. And then the second week, I was spending time in ministry in Uganda, in North Uganda, where our, our base is, um, also getting everything ready for the mission trip. So uh, wheeling and dealing and making, making plans and getting permissions. And um, everyone I asked who would have our mission team go, everyone I asked said yes. <laughs> so I got plans into the prisons, into the juvenile detention centers. Uh, I got permissions for everything. So yeah, if you want to go on that mission trip, talk to me after the service, because um, we're gonna take deposits this week so we can get the plane tickets, and then we'll be going February 20th. Um, that being said, I kinda, I, I have a message, and sometimes messages are very easy for me because I, I they, they're something that works really well for me. And sometimes you write a message that's really difficult because it really challenges me personally. So this is one of those messages where the whole time I wrote it, I was in conviction the whole time. And uh, I was like, man, like I wrote this for myself. If nobody was here in the room today, I would just preach alone and feel good about it afterwards. Uh, but I'm excited for everybody to be here. The, the message today is um, 1 Kings 18 is really where we're gonna be focused out of, and it's the um, story of Elijah. And so if I can give you a little bit of context. Um, Elijah had been praying, and it says that there was no rain in the area for three and a half years. There was a severe drought. And this is when uh, Jezebel and Ahab were running the show. The people had completely turned their backs on the Lord. They'd killed all the prophets of of the Lord and uh, the prophets of Baal were, were really in control um, with, King, with Queen Jezebel and her spineless uh, counterpart Ahab. And um, for context, it was drought, okay? This would be a difficult time when there's drought. You know, in Uganda, uh, there's like, over here we have four seasons. Over there they have two, which is hot and wet and then hot and dry. And so you have three months of storms, and then you have three months of drought. And so while I was there, it was the stormy time. Um, so I got really good at not putting the vehicle off the road and uh, driving through mud and uh, you know just going through shoes. And uh, when we go in February, it'll be very, very dry. <laughs> so it'll be the complete opposite. It'll be red dirt everywhere. And um, but So there had been drought for three years, which means what? When you have drought, you know, Canada, we're not so badly affected by drought, but when you are in an agricultural or a farming type community, drought really is 
your life is in jeopardy, okay? Nothing is gonna grow, your animals are gonna get skinny, your animals are gonna die, you start thinking about, you start thinking about, am I gonna kill this animal so that we can live today or are we gonna try to have it a little bit longer and you really start to go into, I mean, we ran out of children's Tylenol a few weeks ago and I thought our house was gonna fall down, okay? So imagine having a drought <laughs> when everything's kind of really in a da- bad place and so the Bible says that um, in 1 Kings 18.1, uh, the first verse, it says, After many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. Now, that's a scary thought, because Ahab and Jezebel were killing all of the prophets. It tells us later in the chapter that uh, Obadiah had been hiding all of the prophets of the Lord because Jezebel was killing everybody. And so the idea that God would tell Elijah to go basically present himself to the people who are searching to kill him and his kind is kind of a scary thing, but he said that there was a promise attached to the obedience, which was that he was gonna send the rain back onto his people. And so what you see is then there's, there's a story that goes on where, and people love the story because it's such a cool story, where basically Elijah shows up all by himself and the 450 prophets of Baal show up and Elijah basically challenges them and says, you know, you build your altar for Baal and I'll build the altar for the Lord and, uh, and then you guys call out to Baal and see if he does something with your altar and then I'll call out to God and see what he does with mine, okay? And it's a really cool story because, you know, uh, uh, all the prophets, all 450 are trying to get something happening with this altar. It says they're cutting themselves, they're, they're going crazy, they're going nuts and, and um, Elijah's kind of standing on the mountain. He's just kind of saying stuff like, you know, maybe he can't hear you. Maybe he's in the desert. Maybe he's relieving himself, which is biblical for like, he's sitting on the toilet, okay? He's watching YouTube. He can't hear you. And, um, you know, and he's kind of cracking all these good jokes, which I love that about Elijah is that the guy had a sense of humor. And so he's, he's saying all these things to the prophets. And um, finally, it says that, that when he takes the stand, it says that he tells people to throw lots of water on his altar, throw water, throw water, throw water. And it says he prayed and the fire came down from heaven. It took the altar, you know, and uh, it took the altar and, and, and then Elijah had the people repented because there was a famous part where he kind of said to the people like, either serve Baal or serve God. You can't go back and forth. And he convicted them all and, and um, says that they ended up killing all the prophets of Baal. And a lot of times that's where you end, we end the story is Elijah and God won, the fire came down, they won the altar, the Baal guys all got smoked, not great day for them, awesome day for God, God wins, awesome. But if you keep reading, there's something that happens that is not always the easiest thing as Christians to kind of talk about. And um, what happens is, is that after the, the battle, Elijah looks to Ahab in verse 41, and he says to him, go up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of the rushing of rain. My message today is that there is a sound. And what's really cool when I, re- when I hear that is that there had been no rain for three and a half years, and Elijah wins this battle, he, he, he cleans up the house, he, God wins in that moment, and then 
it's not raining. <laughs> it rained fire, but God didn't say to go to Ahab that he would win in the battle. He says, go to Ahab that I send rain. And so he goes and he wins the battle and then he looks to the people and says, I hear the sound of the rushing of rain. But it doesn't say that it rained. And what's really interesting is that Elijah in that moment was prophetically hearing faith in action because he knew that God's purposes were good, he knew that God was faithful, and so he was hearing something that wasn't even there. And so what he had to do is he had to wait on the mountain. My first point is that whenever we live a life of promise, whenever we're trusting God, there is times when we have a season of waiting. You know, I, I love some of the stories in the Bible because sometimes there are these really exciting, impulse-based faith moments. Peter sees Jesus on the water. What does he say? He says, Christ, if you would call out to me, I'll walk out of the water. And he says, come, and Peter gets out of the boat, okay? And then everybody makes fun of him because he splashed afterwards, but he did a good job, okay? <laughs> Let's not bash Peter, but it's, hey, hey, God, call me out right now. Okay, Peter, come on out. Let's go, we're coming out, right? And then you see Elijah and he's got the altar and he, he prays and immediately the fire comes down, you understand? But then what happens is, is that the rain, which was the promise for the people, it didn't start to rain as soon as the battle was over. A lot of times as Christians, we look to God when we've done everything right and we expect that we should hear the sounds of rain on our roof. But sometimes the sound of rain you hear when you're doing everything right, nobody else can hear it. Maybe it's just the sound that's raining in your spirit. Maybe it's the sound of rain that's coming in your heart. Maybe it's the sound of rain for vision. Maybe it's the sound of rain, but everybody around you is saying, we're still in the drought. You know, in, in Psalms 27 verse 14, I, I'm reading and it says, wait for the Lord, be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. You'll hear pastors say all the time, when the Bible says something two or three times in one verse, it means that it wants to make sure you didn't miss it. Wait for the Lord, be strong, let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. In Lamentations 3, the happiest of books of the Bible. <laughs> 3 verse 25, the Lord is good to those who wait for him to the soul who seeks him. In Psalm 30, verse 20, our soul waits for the Lord. He's our help and our shield. Isaiah 40, verse 31, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They should walk and not faint. Over and over and over again, the Bible talks about the waiting but oftentimes as Christians, especially of those kind of, of the more charismatic and non-denominational and the faith-fueled, we oftentimes forget about the value and the faith that it takes to live in the waiting. We wanna see the coming, we wanna see the running, we wanna see the now, we wanna see the fire, we wanna see the water walking, we wanna see the healing, we wanna see everything and we wanna see it right now. You know, one of the hardest things for me when I go to Uganda is the waiting. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go fast. I want to know what's happening and when it's happening, and I want to get there, and I want to go. And I remember I, I, I really, after living over there, um, been going over there for a long time, my spirit just changes now when I go over to that country because I just learn that there's going to be times where I'm going to be waiting, 
And do you know what I do when I wait? I enjoy the waiting. I hang out with people, I talk, I say, hey, let's get some sodas. We're gonna be waiting here a long time. <laughs> I got pulled over right before I left the country. I got pulled over by the traffic police for no reason. And they were hassling me and harassing me. And we sat there on the side of the road for about a half hour. And, uh, you know, a couple years ago had that happened, I would have been losing my cool. I would have been like, what is going on here? Just let me go. And this time, I just had a great time. I was talking to traffic police. We were, we were cracking jokes with each other. There was one traffic cop who wanted me to pay a fine, and the other traffic cops were like, nah, you're fine. Don't worry about it. But she had my driver's license, so I had to be worried about it and sit there. And so uh, I just enjoyed the time. Me and Peter were sitting in the front seat. We were just laughing and making jokes. And, and uh, what I'm saying is, is that eventually you get comfortable in waiting, but waiting a lot of times requires more faith than in the calling and in the seeing and in, the, in, the, in doing exactly what we feel God is telling us. God, God says, you go and you go do this one thing. And it's like, you go and you do it. And if you see immediate fruit, you rejoice because you're like, man, God told me to do this thing and I did this thing and just miracle happened and it was amazing. It was a faith moment. But when you go and do something and nothing happens, what happens to your faith? It hurts, man. Because you're like, hey, I expected something. I, I listened to God. I did this thing. I had this breakthrough here. I had this breakthrough here. And the promise that I'm looking to see, I'm looking for it, and I'm doing everything right, and I don't see it. And, you know, it's one of those things where I've realized as a Christian that a lot of times it takes more faith in the waiting on the things that aren't happening than the faith to step out of the boat and see what can happen when you're obedient but we don't like that waiting because we start to question ourselves as to why it's not happening now. You know, when the, when, the, when the children of Israel went around Jericho, they went around Jericho every day for seven days. And I wonder if on the first day they went around and they were like, God has taken down this city. And they went around. And then nothing happened. And then the next day, Joshua was like, let's go. We're going to take the city. And they walk around, and nothing happens. And the third day, they go, let's take this city. And nothing happens. And they walk around. And I wonder to myself how people's faith must have been feeling on the day four and on the day five and on the day six of walking around and not seeing nothing. You know, in the Greek, the word is kava, and you'll see it over and over again. And it's to wait some things I've learned about the waiting is that there is things that happen in the waiting that don't always happen in the immediate coming. And a lot of times waiting is a growth thing. If you ask farmers, they say, I plant something and then I'm waiting for the crops. But they don't just wait by sitting and, and, and doing nothing. They are doing something while they wait. Elijah had to wait in that moment. My first point is, is how are you in the waiting? My second point is that there was a watching. The Bible tells us in 1 Kings 18.43 that, that Elijah, he takes this position, which is really interesting, and I'm gonna talk about it in a minute, but he takes this position on the Mount Carmel where it says he got on his hands and his knees and he put his head between his knees and he was praying and it says that he went to his servant and he said to him, go up to the top of the mountain and look and see what you see in 18 verse 43. 
said, go up now, look towards the sea. And when he went up and looked, he said, there's nothing. And he said, go again, seven times. Seven times the employee of Elijah had to go look in a season of drought to see something. Doesn't even tell him what to see, just said, go look. <laughs> go see anything that's not sky and water, right? And it says seven times he sat there praying, telling a servant to go back up to the top of the mountain and look. He was watching in the waiting. You know, watching is the active part of waiting. Watching takes faith. Looking out with expectation takes faith. It is a waiting to report back. It is a waiting to respond to the happening. You know, why does it tell us that those who wait for the Lord, their strength shall be renewed? Because when you wait, it should take something out of you. Why does it say when you're waiting to be of good courage? Because sometimes you can get tired of waiting. Waiting is connected to the refueling that it takes to continue to wait because waiting should cost you something. It should take something. And the easiest way for me to explain to you how spiritual and biblical waiting looks like is it has to do a lot more with watching more than waiting. You know, uh, I have a military background. I'm still in the reserves to this day. But I remember back when we were in boot camp and um, we were, this is back in uh, Quebec in like 2007. And one of the things that we would do when we were out in the field is we'd have fire picket, which means once everybody goes to bed, there are always two people awake around the, around the camp that are staying awake and they're watching. And so they would be on a one hour shift. So if you were really smart, you would want the the 11 o'clock to 12 o'clock, or you'd want the four to five. That way you get four hours, five hours of straight sleep. But if you weren't a good person that day, you would get the two to three o'clock, which was a terrible shift. And I remember that what they would do is you would, they would, you would put your uniform on, you'd grab your rifle, it's very cold, you're going out into a little trench, and you and your buddy are in there for one hour, your one hour shift while everybody else is sleeping in their warm tents, and you're out there and you are staring at the forest. <laughs> <laughs> it will make you question your sanity at two in the morning, three in the morning, because the trees start moving and everything starts talking and you're, did you hear that? And you're like, I heard that. And you're, there's nothing, okay? You and your buddy are sleep deprived and you don't know what's happening. You're malnourished and the trees are walking and you're holding on to your rifle and you don't know if the instructors are in the bush waiting to surprise you. But what's happening is that there are two types of people on fire picket duty. There are people who go in at two and they wait until three. And then there are people who go in at two and they watch until three. The difference is, is that people who are waiting don't do anything and they create vulnerability to people. They get bored, they get tired, they fall asleep, they, be, they create insecurity. But people who are watching, they're paying attention to what's going on. Both of them are in a season of waiting but one person is waiting and one person is watching. You understand that Elijah was telling his servant, go up to the mountain. Why? Because Elijah was in a season of waiting, but he wasn't gonna miss out on the faith-fueled action of watching. He said, watch, go look, go look, go look, go look. Seven times he tells him to climb up and look. Why? Because he wasn't just gonna sit and wait for God. He was gonna go out and watch with expectation for God's promise to come out into the world. Are you with me? Watching. Psalm 130, verses five to six. I wait for the Lord. 
my soul waits. And in his word, I hope, my soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning. More than watchmen for the morning. If the Bible tells you something twice in one verse, it's because it doesn't want you to miss it the first time. He says, I'm waiting more than the watchman. Well, is the watchman waiting or is the watchman watching? He's watching. I wait more than the one who's watching. Why? Because I'm watching in my waiting. And I'm going somewhere with this. Ezekiel 33, verse 7. So you, son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. When you hear a word from my mouth, give the warning from me. You might be when you're waiting, but are you in your watching? This is something that we don't, we miss out sometimes because sometimes we enter a season of waiting and we just basically sit on the sideline questioning whether God is still God in heaven, if he's still on his throne, if his promises are still good and we sit there and we wait and we wait and we languish and we question ourselves and we start thinking about what must have been wrong, we didn't pray hard enough, we didn't do this enough, we didn't do that enough. But when you can take on the season of watching in your waiting, what happens is, is you get very good at climbing up mountains. You get very good at climbing up different places. You get very good at watching for enemies that are gonna come into the camp. You might be waiting, but are you watching? Are you with me? There's seasons of waiting. There's seasons of watching. Seven times, Elijah's servant went up looking for something. And every time he came down and said, there's nothing. You know, a lot of times as Christians, we have a belief, we have a vision. We, we, God told us something was gonna happen. God gives us a word, God gives us a season. You might have had a prophetic word in your life and you grasp onto that, but then you look out to the sea and there's nothing. And you look out the next day and there's nothing. And you look out the next day and there's nothing. And you look out the next day and there's nothing. And the people around you, you're saying, hey, what do you think? And they're going, there's nothing. And what happens is if we start to question whether it was really for us at all. Maybe Elijah was just there to win against the prophets of Baal and then that was it, and then he was gonna leave. Maybe God just wanted him to do one thing, but the, the, the rain, that you know what, it's been three and a half years of drought, it's gonna be three and a half years more of drought. If he was gonna do it, he would have done it by now. Have we ever said that to ourselves? I think I've said that. If God was gonna do it, it would have happened by now. It's been three and a half years, Elijah. If rain was gonna come, it would have came. He, you brought fire down from heaven, and now we're here looking for rain. Elijah, it's a lot easier for rain to come down for God than for fire to come down. You were able to get the fire, but seven times I've climbed up the top of the mountain, and there's no rain. So Elijah, obviously, if God was gonna do it, he would have done it by now. <clears throat> My third point is the birthing. You know, what's really interesting is when you see Elijah, and the, this part is my opinion, and there's a few different scholars who said something like this, and I agree with them, and if you disagree with me, that's okay, I love you anyways. But there's something about when it says that Elijah took a position of prayer, and it says that he got on his knees, and he put his head in between his knees. And I really was thinking about it, because like, you see Elijah did a lot of, different things. He would lay down on people. He would, you know, 
he would stand up, he would do this, he would, he would take out his mantle. Like Elijah was a very animated person. But when he got down on his knees and he put his head in his knees, I couldn't help but think about the different times where I've seen women in labor. And I've seen women having to go, especially my wife, I was there for all of our kids' births, and I remember that there was times when the only position was to kind of get into this laboring pain, this, this, like, this like birthing position. And I can't help, but every time I picture Elijah on the mountain with his head in between his knees in prayer saying to somebody, go look again, go look again, I can't stop thinking about the time when my wife was in labor and she was saying to the doctor, you gotta check again because I know I'm in labor. <laughs> I hear the sound of rain, okay? And, 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 the, and the doctor's going, not yet. There's nothing yet, there's nothing yet. And I remember that there was a season where, where I'm not gonna say which kid it was, but one of them, <laughs> one of them was <laughs> difficult than the other two. And uh, she, was, she was in a season, I remember she kept on saying to the doctor, check again. And the midwife is saying, okay, we gotta check one more time because they really didn't want to go to the C-section. And she's saying, okay, the surgeon's ready. And, and I remember she said, check again, check again. And I can't help but think that Elijah in that moment, being so faith-fueled for the promises of God that he's hearing the sounds of rain when nobody sees anything at all, and I can't help but think that he's in this position impregnated with promise and expectation and hope that something is gonna be delivered in the spiritual that's gonna come out into the physical, and he's saying to the servant, you better check again because the baby is gonna come. You know, I remember Bishop Tony Miller, he preached one time a long time ago, he's passed away now, but I remember he, he talked about the Jamaican midwife and he said, when the water breaks, the baby comes. And he said it over and over again, I'll never forget that. And I remember thinking in my head about, I'm thinking here, I'm thinking, Elijah's sitting here, he hears the sound of rain in his head, he hears the sound of a promise being delivered and all he's doing is he's looking around going, you better check again. Go back up to the top of the mountain because I hear something's coming. I'm watching in my season of waiting. I have an active expectation that God is gonna do something because he was gonna said he was gonna do it. It might be the first trimester. It might be the second trimester. You might be in the third trimester. You don't know where you're at, but there's this position that Elijah takes where he's saying to the servant, you better check again because there's a baby coming. I hear the sound of rain. I hear a delivery of promise. I'm waiting and expecting and I'm knowing that this is the season that something is gonna be poured out. Are you with me? You know, it's so interesting because in the face of evil, in the face of, of Ahab going against the prophets of Baal, Elijah takes this position on the mountain of strength and confidence and courage. He stands up at one point in time, he says to Israel, gather around me. A leader in this moment on the top of the mountain and five minutes later, when the enemy is gone and it's just him and his faith for a promise, he's in the most vulnerable position that somebody can take. And I wonder sometimes that we want to stand up to God 
when that posture of authority and that posture of confidence is given to us when we are warring against the enemy, but sometimes we can be so good at warring against the enemy and yelling and standing on the top of the mountain for the fire, but are we able to then immediately go back to the mountain and it's just you and God, and are you able to bring yourself down to the vulnerable humility of someone with their head between their knees waiting in expectation for breakthrough. It's such a shift because it's so easy. The Bible talks about, give me my mountain. As, as the charismatics and the non-denominationals, we love to name and proclaim, to stare and declare, to appoint and to anoint. Give me my mountain, I'll throw it in the sea, I'm gonna do this, I'm jumping out of my boat, I'm calling the fire down, praise God, get me excited. But what happens when all it is is you who hears the rain and everyone around you sees nothing? Are you able to adopt a position of vulnerable humility when it's just you and God and you're just telling everybody around you to go check again, seven times. I know me personally, I'd rather call the fire down than sit on the mountain in the fetal position asking someone to go look again and questioning whether I'm crazy. God, send that fire down, but send it right now, because if you don't send it right now, people are gonna think I'm nuts, I'm gonna take it off. <laughs> In First uh, Kings 18, verse 42, Elijah told Ahab, go up, eat and drink, because I hear the sound of rain. See, Elijah couldn't eat in that moment. Ahab could eat, because he was living in the natural, but Elijah, said, you better go eat because rain's coming and you're not gonna be able to eat on your journey. But he went and took the position in prayer and in expectation, which is just speaking out faith. And it says in verse 42, Ahab went up to eat and drink and Elijah went to the top of the Mount Carmel. He bowed himself down on the earth with his face between his knees. He was already speaking to people to prepare for promise to come when there was still nothing. You know, sometimes one of the things that you can do in your waiting and some of the things that you can do in your watching is you can prepare for the promise to happen. Sometimes we wait for the rain to go get the buckets. Sometimes we wait for the rain to get the umbrella. But, you know, Noah started building an ark when it was a drought. He didn't wait for it to start raining. When it started raining, the boat was there. Sometimes your season of waiting is watching, and sometimes your watching turns into preparing yourself for the thing that's coming. Are you with me? I remember when, when we were getting ready to go over to Uganda, and uh, you know it was a crazy thing for us because we had to fundraise our own money. I wasn't even pastoring. I, nobody knew me. Uh, I didn't. I, you know, I hadn't even been preaching in churches. I just said, I, I, want, I believe me and my wife and my kids, we're gonna go over to Uganda, we're gonna go do missionary work. And I was working for the government and I had a good job, all that stuff. And I remember people thought I was crazy, but I knew God wanted us to do this. And I remember seeing an awesome deal on a truck. <laughs> I'm a man, can I talk to the men for a second? I like trucks, I like vehicles, okay? I drive a 2008 Ford Focus, it keeps me humble. But I'm, every truck, I look at it, I see it. These gas prices are from the Lord. It's keeping me in my Ford Focus, okay? <laughs> and I remember 
thinking to myself, I'm gonna buy that truck. And I remember God said, do you know who would buy that truck? Someone who's not going to the mission field. And I remember thinking, well, I'm not going to the mission field today, but if I was gonna buy the truck, it was gonna be, I was gonna either have to sell it in a few months or I was gonna have to pay for it while I'm in Africa. And who wants to pay a truck payment that they can't even drive? Pretty much everybody right now has a truck with the gas prices. Praise God, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm one of you, don't worry. But I remember God told me, if you want to go do something that I'm telling you to go do, you have to prepare for it before you go. And Elijah was telling the people around him, he's got some people saying, there's nothing there, and in that same time, he's looking, at Elijah, uh, he's looking at Ahab saying, you better go eat and drink, and you better go get your food, because rain's coming. Everyone's saying nothing's coming, but Elijah's letting people know to prepare the atmosphere and prepare themselves, because the promise is good, whether he sees it or not. You know, one of the things that you can do in your season of waiting is you can watch, but the other thing you can do is you can prepare. You can start to make the moves that you would make if you actually believed God's promises were for you. But sometimes we wait to see the rain before we figure that that's confirmation. When you are so into the word and you are listening to the spirit, the Holy Spirit that is inside of you as a Christian that guides you and leads you and teaches you, when you have the relationship with the Holy Spirit and you have the Bible that you are able to look in the Bible and listen to the Holy Spirit, if the Bible says and the Spirit says and the word says that the promise of rain is coming, you can prepare yourself by making sure you've got an umbrella in your vehicle. You don't need to be like, I'm getting the umbrella when the rain comes. No, if you really believed God's promises, you would move with an umbrella. Are you with me? Everyone's going to buy an umbrella now. <laughs> Hebrews 11.1, 1. now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and is a conviction of things not seen. Elijah did not see the rain, but he heard it. There was nothing seen but he heard the rain, why? Because the faith and the promise was so inside of him, it was so birthing forth, that he could hear what nobody could see, why? Because faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Hope is an expectation that what was told to you is gonna happen. Elijah said, if, God said to Elijah, if you present yourself to Ahab, rain is gonna fall. He presented himself to Ahab and that was good enough for Elijah that even when fire was coming down and he didn't see rain, he still knew that his promises were good. He heard it in the spirit when nobody could see it in the natural and he told people, get your food now because rain is coming. Are we able to, as a church, are we able to, as Christians, be able to advise the people around us of the promise that's coming when people are consistently telling us that there's nothing? He's coming. Isaiah 43, verse 19, my, one of my favorite verses, behold, I'm doing a new thing. It springs forth, do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Part of birthing is that it might be you is the only one who knows that there is a baby coming. 
but it is up to you to ensure that you are at the hospital when the promise has to be delivered. It is you who has to remind people to check again. It is you who has to make sure that there is a crib at home because the baby's coming, okay? I'm not, I'm not talking about a baby in the natural. I'm talking about promise being birthed in the supernatural because God said it, he's gonna do it, and you can commit to it, and you can believe it. Are you with me? But sometimes we have somebody and we say, God told me it's gonna rain and we walk outside and we put on our umbrella and we sit here and we go, where is the rain? Where is the rain? Where is the rain? And you look to Jimmy and you say, Jimmy, is something coming? He goes, there's nothing. You go, I'm gonna tell Jimmy seven more times to go check if something's coming. And he comes back seven times. On the seventh time, Jimmy's not your friend anymore, okay? He's like, come on, man, there's nothing coming, okay? I've looked six times, I've looked seven times, there's nothing coming. But what is Elijah saying? He's saying, hey, Ahab, you better eat your food because the sound of rain is coming. Get it in you, buddy. It's gonna be a long ride home and it's gonna be a wet ride home. You're gonna be thankful for those calories. My first, my first point is that the faith is required in a season of waiting. My second point is that watching is a natural byproduct of faith in action in a waiting season. My third point is that Birthing comes out of the waiting and the watching. And you don't know the time and you don't know the place, but your job in the birthing of the promise and your job of the birthing of the supernatural is to ensure that everything is prepared and ready for it to happen because there might not be anything happening, but when, you, when God says a promise and it's in your spirit and there's something inside of you, it is gonna come out and you better be ready for it. And they might not say anything about it, but they're gonna keep checking, why? Because something's happening. My fourth and final point is the rejoicing. The rejoicing. In 1 Kings 18, 45, 46. Ah, I skipped a little part. After the seventh time, the servant goes up and he comes back to Elijah. Six times he said, there's nothing. And on the seventh time, he says to Elijah, there is a cloud like the hand of a man in the distance. Now, if you ever looked out at Great Lake Erie or you looked at Lake Superior and you looked out in the distance, you can see how difficult it would be to see a man. Now, imagine how difficult it would be to see the hand of a man in the horizon. I like to think that he basically said, I see the smallest, smallest cloud that ever did float in God's sky. I see the smallest, smallest, smallest thing. I see the tiniest mustard seed of a thing on the seventh time. And it says that he told Ahab to get running on the chariot back to Jezebel. And it says, and in a little while, the heavens grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel, and the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he gathered up his garment, and he ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Are you all ready for some uh, nerdiness in the Bible? Because I went and became very nerdy to find out that that's 14 miles from Mount Carmel to Jezreel. Elijah saw the small hand and got told Ahab, you better get running in your chariot. And then it says that the sky started to turn dark and it says that Elijah girded up his loins, which means he picked up his robes. Why do you pick up your robe? Because you gotta run. And it says that he ran ahead of 
Ahab, who happened to have a chariot, it says he ran 14 miles and beat Ahab back to Jezebel, who was the enemy, who was killing everybody. He beat her husband on a horse. And people say, wow, that's a miracle, that's amazing. And you know, God wanted to, and so people say, well, why did Elijah beat Ahab to get to Jezebel? And nobody knows. The Bible doesn't say why he beat her, but why he beat him to a Jezebel. What I think is, is because he was rejoicing that after three years of drought, after seven times of someone saying there's nothing, that as soon as there was something, he said, Ahab, you better start going. And then he sees the storms coming and he pulls his pants up and he starts running. And he goes, I'm going to beat this guy because for three years I've been praying and believing that there was going to be breakthrough in the land. And now we've defeated the enemy. We've walked out in obedience. And now now something is breaking forth and you just had your feast Ahab, you sinner, and you're on your chariot just getting through one day at a time, but I'm here as a man of God who's excited about what God's doing in Israel and I'm gonna beat you back to Jezebel because she needs to realize I just killed 450 of her demonic priests and her demonic priestesses and in the time that her husband was having a meal on his fat rear, I was praying and believing God that something was gonna happen and I was running so fast, I'm running faster than the horses. Why? Because I'm excited that God is coming back on this nation and God is coming back into the atmosphere. Are you with me? You run fast when you're happy. Trust me, I've been sad and ran. I didn't run very far. I turned back around and walked in the rain, okay? But when I'm happy and I'm having a good day and the music is bumping and I'm jumping, I always get good times when I'm running. Why? Because I run well when I'm rejoicing. There is something about rejoicing that happens greater in the season after waiting and watching and birthing. You have, you deliver a baby. I'm telling you, there's blood, there's, there's, there's water, there's mess, there's sweat, there's tears, there's crying, and there's rejoicing. There's rejoicing because something was birthed out of pain and out of agony, but it came after a nine-month period of watching and waiting and check again, Doc, and check again, Doc, and check again, Doc, and there's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing, and then there's something, and it always followed with rejoicing. The rejoicing is so great that it brings you through another season of waiting and another season of watching because you remember the time you went through a season of waiting and a season of watching and the pain of birthing and the hearing there's nothing and it's nothing and it's nothing and it's nothing and then it's something. And the something is the initiating trigger that births promise and it gets you excited. And after it's happened, it's rejoicing. In Matthew 2, verse 10, when the shepherds are in the field and they see the star of Nazareth and they hear the words, behold, that the son, star of David has come to you this day, that the son of God is being brought to you this day. It says, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with joy because promise was coming out into the world. In Acts 8, verse 39, it says, when they came up out of the water of baptism, the spirit of the Lord took Philip away and the Ethiopian eunuch no longer saw him, but he went on his way rejoicing. In 1 Peter 1, verse eight, the Bible says, and though you have not seen him, you love him. And though 
you do not see him now, but believe in him, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. You might have been hearing the sounds of rain for years and years and years. You might have been sitting in a season of waiting. You might have been watching on the mountain. You might have been going through the pain of birthing when you're just like, when is it gonna happen? My friends, don't get through all of those seasons and miss out in the joy of rejoicing. I rejoice for the seasons of waiting. I rejoice for the times of watching. I rejoice of the tiniest little parcels of promise that were in the horizon. I rejoice. I will outrun a wicked chariot king back to the enemy to remind him that God is still on his throne, his promises are still good, and if he says it's gonna rain in Windsor, Essex, Ontario, if he says it's gonna rain in Canada, if he says it's gonna rain on the earth, if he says that he's gonna be glorified, if he says he's coming back for his church, if he says it, he can do it, and he will do it, and I'm gonna be rejoicing in the season of waiting, I'm gonna be watching in the season of watching, I'm gonna be expecting in the season of birthing, and I'm going to be rejoicing when we get to the other side. Hallelujah. There's a season of waiting, church. You might be in the season of waiting. Guess what? It builds your faith. You might be excited about the fire that falls, but the fire that falls today and the new challenge tomorrow is something. But the fire and the rain that doesn't come today but takes time it's a season of waiting, it's a season of watching, it's a season of birthing, but it should be followed by a season of rejoicing because God said it and he did it. Don't give up in your season of waiting. Don't quit on the sixth time on the top of the mountain. Don't quit on the fifth time around Jericho. Don't quit when people say there's nothing. There's something. If he said it, if it's in his word, if he said it, he will do it. It might be the fifth time of someone saying there's nothing. Guess what? It's a season of waiting. It's a season of watching. And there's gonna be labor pains in the birthing, but he's gonna do it, and it's gonna be followed by rejoicing every time. I'm gonna pray, <clears throat> and then I'm gonna make sure that we take up our uh, offering of who's my neighbor, because we're not gonna close out, because we believe that the who's my neighbor initiative, we believe that 50 families can be touched by the love of God. The Bible says, don't you know that it is the love of God that draweth men to repentance? You might say to yourself, we're trying to give someone a, a nice Christmas. We're trying to give some gift cards. We're trying to give some presents. We're trying to give a nice Christmas dinner to somebody down the street. It has nothing to do with that. It is about showing the love of God to the people around us that they might know about salvation. They might know about what Jesus did on the cross those 2,000 years ago. The who's my neighbor has nothing to do with the gifts and the dinner and everything about the eternal destination of the people who are in our sphere of influence. That is why we're doing these things. We celebrate Christ at Christmas and we show the world the love of God because we know what God did for us those 2,000 years ago and does for us on a daily basis, whether we are in our waiting season or in our rejoicing season. So I'm gonna pray for the service. I'm gonna pray for the offering. Before you leave, we'll take up that offering. And uh, if you want to learn more about that mission trip or you're good to go, let, talk to me before we go. Father God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for this day. I thank you that your spirit is here today, Lord. I thank you that the word that was implanted inside of the spirit of each one of those people today is not gonna be thrown out with void. It's not gonna be in the rocky ground or the stony ground or the pathway or the bird's food. But in fact, that the seed that 
was planted today will be dug deep, will be watered well, and will grow greatly, that the faith inside of us might be so much so that we're not only looking for the fire to come down today, but that we are able to humble ourselves in prayer and that we are able to have courage and great strength that we might be able to get through the seasons of waiting, that we might not be so disheartened that we, look, we miss out on the watching, that we might not be so discouraged that we give up on the birthing, Lord, and may we never forget about a season of rejoicing, Lord, because your promises are good, that the Bible says that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever, and those things that you said then, you'll do now, and you'll do again, because we are your children, and you love us, Lord. We thank you for each one of the people here today. May you bless them in every way. May you be their rear guard behind them, their foreguard leading them, and beside them, as your word says, that you are a friend that sticketh closer to a brother. We give you the glory, the honor, the praise. We thank you for abundance and no lack in every area of our life. We thank you that you cause us to fulfill our destiny in this lifetime, that sickness is not in the midst of us, that you've made us the head and not the tail, that you expand our territories, and we thank you for it and now. We give you the glory, the honor, the praise. We bless your holy name, and everybody said, Amen. God loves you, so do we. If you want to put a donation to Who's My Neighbor, make sure you see the ushers on your way out. Have an amazing Sunday. Wow. I'm Pastor Brian. I'm Pastor Karen. What a message. Uh, I'll tell you. It's so apical of what's happening today, today's world. Uh, I think we are kind of mesmerized and kind of even paralyzed sometimes by what's going on in the world around us and, uh, you know, the, the post-COVID world that we live in and all the all the corruption and lies that seem and deceit that just seem to be operating. And yet, you know, at the end of the, all of this, I really think he just hit the nail right on the head there, Pastor Michael. God is going to do what he said he's going to do. And I think if we have nothing else in this world to remember that God is going to do what he said he's going to do is our hope, our hope of the future. There is a sound. Elijah heard the sound of the rain during a time of drought before there was anything. And others around, they didn't hear anything. Elijah heard the sound. Then there was a time of waiting the time of watching, the time of birthing, where he birthed it in prayer, and then the time of rejoicing when it began to rain. Yeah, and just that, that waiting, uh, uh, we have uh, Christine LaBeouf come, getting ready to come on here. I don't want to steal She's the waiting. time. She's <laughs> waiting. But uh, just that whole process of waiting, too, uh, it can be painful. It can be laborious. And where's our heart and where's our uh, belief system lining up? Are we going to believe the naysayers and the doubters out there? Are we going to believe what God has said he's going to do and what his word says he's going to do? So on that note, um, I'm going to welcome in Christine. Come on in. They're uh, fresh back there, international jet setters now. They <laughs> tour the Caribbean and the whole world. Uh, been on a multi-month uh, long journey, and uh, we're just glad to have you and Pastor Luke you back. You were? Wow, two weeks. <laughs> two weeks, yeah. That's good. Two <laughs> weeks, it's great. Yeah. Um, it's good to be back, though. Believe me. It's good me. to have you back. Yeah. Amen. It's nice to go on vacation, everyone. 
but yeah. there's no place like home. Wow. And my little puppy, my lady Sophia, she was so happy Aww. to have us back. I'll bet <laughs> so, she was. So she was waiting. Well, and waiting. And waiting. And waiting. So and she was living the message. And rejoicing when we yeah. got back. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. And they don't hold back when they rejoice, do they? No, when they I, I just don't. even know even our little dog, we go home tonight, Angel, or today uh, we get home and we call her Wiggle, but because she's just so happy to see us. And yet, oh, yeah. you know, many times we grow weary in the wait, don't yes, we? Yes, we do. And it's shame on us, but I mean, I think it's our nature when we see delay after delay or in our... Yes. And it's really not a delay so much because God's timing is always perfect, but I think our expectations yeah. aren't being met on our time, right? You know what I've discovered? It's a learning process. Boy, is it ever. When uh, I was first saved, I, I just figured, hey, I prayed, the answer should come. And you know, God was faithful many times, and it's exactly mm -hmm. the way it happened. Yes. However, yeah. as time went by, I began to learn that there is a waiting period. And uh, I began to learn to watch, not just sit back. It took a while, but I did learn. I've got a good example, okay? A prophet came in, and he spoke a word over Pastor Luke and myself that uh, we would be getting finances. You know, and God would provide for us in order that uh, Luke could go into ministry, et cetera, et cetera. Beautiful word. We started warring wow. for it. We wrote it down. We stood on it, and nothing happened. And nothing happened. And a few years went by. Nothing happened. So we put it on a shelf. And then one day, someone that we did not expect at all came and said to my husband, you know that prophecy that was spoken to you? God says, start warring for it. He wow. didn't even know we had a prophecy. Wow. He was speaking out in faith. Wow. And we started warring for it. And within a few months, the prophecy came into being. Fulfilled. Yeah. Wow. And that was such a valuable lesson to keep watching, to not give up. And you may not be praying for it all the time, but as you, as you go through that waiting period, you thank God every so often for his word and for the truth of his word and that it will come into being. And you just have to show patience during that watching time. That testimony brings hope. Yes, it does. Yep. And it's just taught us such a valuable lesson to never, ever give up hope. And I'm not, you know, there's a difference between hope, waiting, and, and the truth of it uh, compared to, um, gee, I wish. Oh, right. Big difference, you oh, know? right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, there's there's something to be said there, and it, he kind of uh, brought it out in his message. Pastor Michael did, is uh, that with with the waiting, life still has to go on today. Yes, it does. Day to day, life still has to go on, mm -hmm. but we don't have to live for today. We can believe that you know the word, and, and in your case, the hope of the prophecy kept something alive inside mm -hmm. of your heart. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, I, I just. I just sense that there's so many people that are growing weary in this time and, and day and age that we're in. And I'm going to tell you something. We're getting to a place in this world without a move of God. This world is doomed. Yes. And, and you know, the Bible is very clear what God is coming back for. Mm -hmm. He's coming back for a spotless bride and mm -hmm. a church that's victorious in every right. ways and means. Yeah. And like it's getting so dark out there that it just tells me that we are getting closer to that move of God than we probably have ever been in our lifetime. And the truth is, as the darkness grows in the world, the we're light. to shine more and Absolutely more right. with the light that God's placed within us. See, we're the vessels of hope. 
we're, we're the, the glory of God. Yes. Yeah. And we're the vessels watching and praying for people, encouraging people, saying it's going to be okay. You know, it doesn't matter what you feel, what mm. you see, what you hear. Mm. God is faithful and he will do what needs to be done in his timing. Because sometimes we're not ready for his promises. It's, it's right. We pray and right. we want them and we believe for them. But our character needs to be developed in order to handle the promises that he has for us. And, and even when we stand on those promises, we are speaking to the world around us without even realizing it. Because people see something, a steadfastness in us. They see a belief in us and they don't understand it. Right. It kind of almost freaks them out in a way. But, but they're watching. They're watching us constantly, and that is, you know, sometimes just the way we live our life, believing and waiting, will speak to the world around us in ways we have no way of knowing. Amen. Um, I just want to share a little story, and it's not to bring glory to me. Like, this is just the awesomeness of God. Um, Our chiropractor is is a wonderful man, okay? And uh, anyway, we, I had to go in for an assessment. And so my husband and I went in and uh, he kept looking at me during the assessment. And he's looking and closing his eyes and he's looking around and I'm thinking, <laughs> what's he doing? This is an assessment. Anyway, uh, then after he went out and he adjusted me and he pulled me to the side and he said, I saw a light around you. Wow. Just shining around you. And he said, I was closing my eyes. I was looking different ways. And I kept seeing this light. Now, this is a room without windows. Mm-hmm. And so wow. God was speaking to him because wow. we've been witnessing to him. Other Christians have been witnessing. But God wanted him to see something special. Wow. And it's just opened his heart up even more. In ways only God can, before, right? As yeah. only God can. Yeah. And, you know, maybe I am great. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just teasing. You glow, uh, I have to check. I'm going to have to check with Pastor Luke. Maybe you glow in the dark. Oh, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I liked what you said, too, about someone reminded you of the prophecy, but you had to still do the warring. Oh, yes. Absolutely. I like that. Yes. We couldn't couldn't turn around and say, oh, it never happened. It's probably not true. No, we had to pick up and start warring for it again. I like that. Yeah. I like that. That's very good. You know, and I I just feel like to really touch on this, because if you're out there, and you're really kind of discouraged with what's going on. You know, you're probably saying, well, I've never had a prophecy. Well, that's not true because the Bible actually tells us, and it's a prophecy for all of us as Christians and believers in Jesus mm-hmm. Christ, that he's coming back. Yes. And he's coming back for a spotless bride. Yeah. That's us. And, you know, you may have never had it personally spoken over you, but I'm here today to tell you that you're part of that spotless bride. Mm-hmm. You are not going to be defeated, knocked down, and kept in the in the dark and being beat up uh you know god's coming for you in a victorious state yes and you know if that's not hope sometimes we don't you know we hear the words but we don't hear the words that's right i i've discovered one thing you know you can speak the word speak the word speak the word and it can be up here right but there comes a time it needs to come down and become rhema down here um i remember when we used to do inner healing and deliverance way back in the good old days, so to speak. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I would always say, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a power love Love and and a a sound sound mind. mind. And perfect love casts out fear. And what's perfect love? Perfect love is Jesus, right? Amen. Anyway, one day, all of a sudden... Or Pastor Luke. 
Let's ignore that one. Let's ignore that one. Uh, but anyway, one day as we were ministering, it went from my head to my heart. It became real. And I received major, major deliverance from fear. And I didn't recognize what a stronghold fear had on me until I got set free. And this is why it's so important for us to read the Word, but not only read it, to speak it in order that in our lives it becomes rhema. And that's what hope is, that's what watching is, that's what persevering is, is to continue to speak the truth of the Word of God so it becomes alive in us and it comes into being. And that Amen. is so important. And, and here's the interesting thing. Did, did they get rid of you already? <laughs> Honestly, I'm not that bad a person. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> All I said was something about Pastor Luke, and that's I, it. They I, cut I, me right I know, off. that was it. Uh, anyway, <laughs> what I wanted to say was um, he brought it out. That there'll be naysayers and there'll be doubters yes. and their sense, they're their enemy of our faith and our hope. And what we have to realize is when we're getting bombarded with naysayers and doubters, there's a really good chance that God's about to do something very, very powerful and important in your life. Amen. And, you know, Bible talks about count it all joy when you're going through fiery tests and trials because that's the proving of our faith. And um, we lose track of what God told us when people are telling yeah. us something else. Yeah. Yeah. And we got to remember yeah. what God tells us, not what people tell us. That's right. And time has a way of doing that, unfortunately. Yes, it does. And this is why we need to be refreshed I and wrote encouraged. It down here. Mm. Um, yeah. I thought I paraphrased it really well. Oh, okay. <laughs> Drought can bring doubt. Yes. Drought can bring yes. doubt. And I think that is really the 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 power of the message that we just heard is if we have doubt, you know, that's usually because we're laboring and we're waiting. Uh, we, we've got to wrap up here shortly. Just get some closing thoughts, Pastor Karen or Christine. Just go well, ahead. Doubt, uh, drought can bring doubt. But when we're in reading the Word of God, when we're walking with the Spirit, and when we, we surround ourselves with people who are also speaking faith, yes. makes a Which the difference. spirit is the rain, isn't it? It yeah, can be the rain is, too, right? Yes. So the, yes, the thing that's going to break the doubt or the drought is the spirit of God mm -hmm. or the rain. And the other part is, you, you mentioned this, people are surrounding us. That's why it's important to gather together. You know, Amen. not stay at home and be isolated, but Amen. to gather together. Keep in the fellowship. And also believe in God to bring you the right...